1: Love line is meant for an adult audience. Love line may contain sexually oriented content. Listener discretion is advised. Love line with Dr. Chris starts
0: three, two, one, now.
1: Happy Thursday, everybody. Uh, hope you got a week. It's winding down. <laughs> Hanging in there. Some people are like, "Oh, it's Thursday already." Yep, yep. The week is winding down. Days of the week don't mean much to everyone right now, but that's okay. Y'all floating through doing your thing. Um, We're going to be talking about therapy and how you know it's time to get into therapy later in the show. But before we do, let's talk about some news. Nick Cannon, he opens a vegan soul food restaurant in Los Angeles. I love this stuff. We need more veganism. It's good for the environment. It's good for our health. Uh, yeah, it reduces the problem of uh, all these new viruses and whatnot being released out into the environment. Um, you know, again, we talk about things being um, passed along from animal to human. That's kind of what happened with COVID. So that's a way we can reduce that. So time to go vegan, y'all. If not for your but also for the environment and others, uh, driving versus versus flying. There's a lot of people talking about that now that you know airplanes and air flight and travel in that way feels hard for people. Look. Air travel's always been a nightmare for me. I've always found it very dehumanizing. Airplanes just stuffing us in. I don't know how anyone fits into those seats, especially people that are larger bodied. God bless, I I, I can't even imagine the anxiety. But also just for anybody, those seats are made so small. It's really obnoxious. I wish airlines cared more about comfort. They say they care about their passengers. Clearly you don't when you're stuffing us in those seats. The way it's handled is ridiculous. I constantly have issues when I travel. I travel a lot. I, I really don't like air travel. It's always something. It is not comfortable. Uh, it's a nightmare for me. I wish I could drive more. Unfortunately, it's not something that's hap- that's doable for everyone. And as the airlines open up, I'll be curious to see what kind of changes are made. I was looking at some of these websites that are showing possible new designs that allow some separation. They have uh, seats that are flipped back and forth. So one seat's forward facing the next one's back facing, The next one's forward facing so that people then have a separator between them. I just hope they don't find ways to steal more space away from us, uh, which is very possible, but let's see what happens. Um, Gay coronavirus individuals are barred from donating blood plasma. Yeah, did y'all know that if you have sex with men, you are sometimes not allowed to give blood? Some places you have to wait till three months post having had sex, and people can't give their blood plasma in order to work on vaccines and antibodies for the corona infection. That is so homophobic. I don't know where the idea, well, I do know where the idea came from. This goes back to the AIDS crisis, but please don't think that people that have sex with the same gender are any more problematic in terms of safer sex practices or sexual health and wellness than people that have opposite sex like the rules targeting that is nothing more than homophobia and sex fear so <laughs> if you're worried about sexual transmitted diseases and infections you need to worry about that with everyone but uh let's just put that on everyone's radar that that's something that's still happening and it's you know 21st century and we still have things like that quite problematic speaking of something similar a lesbian couple is bringing a historic legal challenge to overturn a policy that had allowed a state-funded foster agency to reject them for being gay. Look, studies show gay families don't just raise as healthy children as opposite gendered parents, but better in a lot of tests, better with empathy, communication, intimacy, vulnerability. There's a lot of psychological markers where children raised by gay parents do better, not worse. And for the children that are in the system, they want a loving home. Remember, children don't need a a mother and a father. They need loving caregivers. That could be a solo parent. That could be same sex parents. That could be a group of parents. They need loving caregivers. They do not need a mother and a father. Their gender does not matter. The number does not matter. People, again, uh, children, Again, need loving, unconditional care. Um, It's a fallacy. Uh, So that breaks my heart when I see that. And some states still are doing things like that. And some organizations, it's quite sad. Also, let's look at the impact we're having on things we're posting. I'm, I'm dealing with a lot of individuals that are really working on having a new relationship with their body. They can't get to the gym or whatever their normal exercise routine is or even the eating. And they're seeing a lot of people doing these, you know, body shaming posts about the quarantine 15 and these posts of larger bodied or animals saying, this is what I look like now, or what I'm gonna look like when I come out of this. Be thoughtful and caring. I mean you're also projecting back on yourself in those posts, the anxiety that you need to look a certain way. You're keeping yourself trapped in that. You're also keeping those cultural notions going that again, you are also oppressed and held hostage by, but you're also impacting others' mental health who are trying to not worry, care, or think about those things because it doesn't matter. Look the way you look. Let your body shape or size be what it is. Focus more on being a good person. Focus more on more integrity. Focus more on changing the politics in our environment that are impacting people's negative uh, mental health negatively. We have a president right now and a White House staff that is racist, homophobic, classist, et cetera, et cetera. Focus more on that. Focus more on electing politicians that have more, you know, human rights-based perspectives where they realize everyone has a right and they're not going to roll back human and civil rights from individuals. Like, focus more on that. Let's care more about how people are out in the world, right? Not on their body shape or size of their relationship to fitness. So think about that when you're posting what you post um, <clears throat> more care and compassion y'all more care and compassion <clears throat> that's what we're working on with everyone sorry about my throat this is real time this is radio and podcasting things happen um, a little too much coffee i think that's the one thing that's funny we were talking about uh, me and some friends the other day about coping mechanisms that we're not you know, used to that have emerged out of this, and um, my coffee consumption's definitely gone really high. But you know what? It's all the vices I have. I don't drink. Um, I don't use mind altering substances. I'm vegan. So it's like, I'm keeping my coffee. Uh, all right. Thanks for sticking around. You can check out old episodes on com or radio.com. You're listening to Love Line with Dr. Chris on the new channel Q and radio.com. Love Line with Dr. Chris on channel Q. All right. We're back, and now we're going to talk about therapy. You know, it's Uh, mental health awareness month in may and you know we're talking all the time about mental health it's interesting there's always two levels right it's your own relationship to mental health and it's also your relationship to the world and the impact you're having and um Every, ah, you know, it's interesting because people will say, when should I get into therapy? How do I know I need therapy? And my global answer, which is real, is everyone does. It's kind of like saying, when do I know I need a nutritionist or maybe a fitness trainer? Um, well, we all could. Uh, if anyone's interested in movement or exercise, find a body positive You know, trainer and they absolutely can always help you get started, get structured, create a plan, uh, maintenance, keep an eye on you, teach you new things. Same thing with nutrition. We all um, need to focus on more nutrition, more of a, you know, whole, whole food, plant based diet. For those that can afford and have access to that, and um, uh, you know, I'm someone who studied nutrition and food science in college, and I and I still could benefit from that. So you know, therapy is one of those things where it's really hard for us to be aware of ourselves, and the healthiest people are always examining and tracking themselves. Excuse me. More importantly, paying attention to who we are in relationships, because that's when we really get to see who we are in in terms of mental health and what our work is. But therapy is for everyone. And so it's something everyone should consider, even right now. You know, Some people just want to use therapy as an explorative measure. For others, they have targeted goals. And for some people, it's because they're really struggling. But there's no bad reason. There's no good reason. And I've had some clients that thought they were, quote unquote, taking a space from someone who needs it more. And I'd say to them, everyone is allowed to do some processing and exploration. Therapy is for everyone. And we're so focused on our bodies. Um, you know, I had shared this on a, a, an episode a long time ago, but there was a time in the fifties and sixties where people were focused more on what kind of person am I? Am I a good person? And now everyone's just focused on, am I hot? Am I attractive? What does my body look like? And we do that to the detriment of our physical and I'm sorry, our psychological and emotional health. And so therapy is a way to honor that weekly. You know, people that are trying to keep a sobriety-based perspective go to multiple 12-step meetings. People that want to be spiritual, religious, go to meditation groups or church. We need benchmarks. We need community. We, we want to be around something that helps us really take that time to focus. And therapy is the same way. It's interesting. People will do these extreme workouts every day they'll go hiking and do yoga and they stretch and they lift weights and if you say to them what, what kind of psychological or emotional work have you done this week they they don't they haven't answered we are we're so lopsided in that way but yet mental health matters more and mental health impacts our physical health so my big question to everyone is what are you doing weekly daily to focus on your mental health? Are you just talking about it? Are you just noticing it? Are you journaling? Are you being self-reflective? Are you reading things that help you work through it? Are you listening to podcasts? Are you going to therapy? Um, or do you have a spiritual practice? Like all these different things are really needed ways. So maybe carve out time away from your workout. If every day you do an hour workout, now do 45 minutes and start or end it with 15 minutes of a mental or psychological exercise because um, that's just as important. But it's interesting, it's always minimized. And, you know, we understand that people maybe want a trainer or a hiking buddy or workout videos, but we're not doing the same for our emotional or psychological health. And, you know, we're relational beings and our mental health matters in terms of relationship. And so we're doing it for those around us our family members, our employees, our colleagues, our loved ones, our sex partners. Our physical body doesn't help or hinder our relationship to them at all. It's such a selfish thing. It's because generally we want to feel attractive in the world awesome. But that's more about you and what you need. Uh, Movement and exercise are needed for overall health to do that. But a lot of our working out is actually about aesthetics and desirability standards. And that doesn't impact or improve the quality of our relationships, not in the way that mental health work does. And we all have work to do. And it takes someone outside of ourselves to help us with that. Look, meditation, self-reflection, journaling, all that is great, but that still can keep us very narcissistic. And that's why we need someone on the outside reflecting back who we are, what we're doing, and kind of challenging us to be better. I often say to my patients, don't ask your friends for advice because they often won't speak from their best to your best. They're often triggered around the topic. They're often trying to just keep you comfortable. They're often keeping the bar low. They're not aware of all your traumas. They're not even necessarily aware of a healthier working model for relationships. When I hear people talking about relational advice or even ways to get our mental health needs met, it's always, always, always more game-playing, manipulative, keeping the bar low. It's rarely rooted in a, a really good mental health perspective, and that's what therapy can provide. Now, of course, you got to be very thoughtful about the kind of therapist you work with. Um, I'm not a big fan of a lot of therapies, uh, therapists' work. I think a lot of them uh, haven't done enough of the work themselves, on themselves. A lot of them aren't doing the right kind of continued education. Um and you know therapists can only take you as far as they've gone so what i'm thankful for is find a therapist maybe who has a social media page that's curated in a way we can understand who they are um all therapists are political whether they know it or not and i'm worried more about the ones that aren't aware of their politics because we're all operating from some kind of stance in that way find a therapist who's written some articles read their work find out what they're thinking and how they you know work through the world therapeutically but um do the work. Uh, this month is the time to really ask ourselves all these powerful questions. But but again, try to make sure every day <laughs> that you're building in some kind of emotional, psychological work, um, whether it's the social media, you're surrounding yourselves in the things you're reading, the podcasts. Um, But frame that out, because, again, if you can do all that time for some of these other things, um, hobbies. Work signs we need to let it cut into work. The psychological stuff should be just as important. So, anyway, checking on that. Uh, We'll be talking more about that as always. You're listening to Love Line with Dr. Chris on the New Channel Q and radio.com Love Line. Love Line. Love Line. Love Line. Love Line. Love Line. This is Love Line with Dr. Chris on Channel Q. Now we're going to go to Dr. Evan Goldstein, MD and CEO and founder of Bespoke Surgical. What's going on, man? How are you? I am good. How are you? It's good to see you. It's been a while.
0: Has been a while.
1: <laughs> so, uh, how is your mental health right now? How are you with all that?
0: Um, I'm checking in periodically. There's ups and downs, just like everything. I think a lot of the, the unknown is the issue. Um, and, you know, you're trying to figure out not only for you, but me and my partner, our two kids, trying to figure out where we are and trying to navigate the uncertainty. So, you know. Some good days, some bad days, but that's okay.
1: All right. I like it. So let's talk about the the current state of uh, sex and mental health. Sex is such an important part of mental health, but often it's left out of that discussion. Um, Why do you see it being left out and why do you see it as an important part?
0: Yeah. I mean, I think one of the major issues right now is people feel as if, uh, you know, we're fighting for your lives. Well, sex, why is sex important at this current point? But, you know, and we'll get to obviously our own self, um, things to do by ourselves. But I think the reality is, is that just like life, activities of daily living, sex is super, super important for everything that we're doing, whether alone or with partners that you're quarantining with. Um, And I think the reality is, is that once we own that sex is part of all of our lives, we can now figure out better ways to make it safe, specifically once the communities and everybody starts opening up, how do we allow people to live the lives that they want but be as safe as possible? Also understanding that what we do um, not only affects us, but affects a community at large. Okay,
1: so love that sex is possible for a lot of different capacities to cope, self-soothing, help us improve and deal with our mood, connect to others, find fun. But let's talk about specifically COVID right now. So a lot of the uh, state's public health departments have said sex with others, not so great. Sex with yourself, th- double thumbs up. So what do you think we should be doing and what do you think we should not be doing?
0: Well, I think the first is always in my practice at Bespoke, whether in New York and LA, is own who you are. There are so many people that are still engaging sexually, regardless of what the government is saying, or whether your community is, you know, your, your, the CDC is saying. So I think the key is, if you are someone that is continuing to hook up and potentially transport COVID from one person to the other and or any STD. And I think that that's why we also are trying to tell people that COVID is just like any other STD and can be transmitted obviously many different ways. I think if you own who you are and what you're doing, how do you look at that risk and try to mitigate that risk as much as possible? And I think there's three categories. There's people that aren't listening and are still engaging. There are people that are ready to rock and roll, um, and they're going to do it soon, uh, regardless of what the communities and CDC, et cetera, say. And then there are people that are hunkering down, finding their own kind of self-quarantine stuff to get them going sexually. And I think the key is, one, owning that, and then two, figuring out how we as a community start to phase in COVID testing. Um, as safety from an STD perspective and making sure that people are constantly getting reevaluated just like any other STD that we've seen specifically in our community.
1: Okay, so let's break that down because you said a lot You said a lot of important things in there. First off, I always wanna remind everyone that when people talk about sex, we often go right to intercourse, but right now is a beautiful time to expand your definition and realize there is a large umbrella and multitude of creative, diverse, beautiful things we can do that are sex-based that are gonna be highly safe, right? We have technology we can use to engage others. We can have sex with ourselves we can explore our own bodies. So there's that piece. Also, like what I what I like you said, is just like harm reduction, acknowledge which of those three categories you fall into and then say, what is the safest way I can engage whatever it is I'm going to engage. But the selfish piece, like let's talk about that deeper, um, where now more than ever, the sexual choices we make impact a larger number of people where normally it's a little bit of a smaller number, but now it's a larger impact. 100%.
0: 100%. I mean, I think we see all the time a lot of people are still engaging in sex parties um, and throwing themselves out there. And it obviously, whether or not it's premature or not, I think the key component with that is one is understanding your own desires and trying to figure out are there ways to explore again, like you said, from a self perspective to get you off, to get those endorphins going for you to feel satisfied so that. You're now able to live every day just like all the rest. And then the other is if you are venturing out, how do you start to create your own quarantined, uh, open world that everybody in that world is just as responsible as you are? Because you're right. I mean, just like, you know, you can start infecting and it keeps going and it keeps going. Now, Again, I think also if you look at our community, STDs have been plaguing our communities for so long that risk in and of itself, just from any sexual encounter, specifically if it is someone that you don't necessarily know, it can be still quite high uh, regardless. And now it's just taking this time, self reflecting, and looking at your own risk and figuring out moving forward how do we mitigate as much as possible because everything that you do affects everyone in the community
1: and and what i like about your work is you're similar in the way that i work in that we're not trying to shame or judge we're saying uh please be thoughtful about the impact you have on others but also like you said be honest about what you are going to do so we can at least focus on a harm reduction method now your your bespoke surgical surgical clinics in la new york are doing something that i think is really stunning i had not heard of this or thought of this you are expanding what you're calling the comprehensive std uh testing and assessment for everyone tell us what that means
0: yeah, you know, I mean, again, I think COVID uh, currently right now to me is an STD specifically in my in, in my world, right? And from a sexual wellness perspective, everybody's trying to figure out, well, I'm, I'm ready to hook up or I'm ready to go on grinder, and I'm ready to get back into the world. How do we do it as safely as possible? And so we're also saying, well, if we are being quarantined, In essence, we should be able to catch every STD that you have. And we know that there's a tremendous amount of people that have asymptomatic STDs. Um, And so doing not only the COVID testing, but also a full STD panel allows us as a community to say, you know what, we're all now going to be on the same playing field as being negative for everything. And I'm trying to see if we can get the apps to take some element of responsibility Um, And to say, hey, you know what, let's put together an appropriate consortium and protocol moving forward so that now if you know, hey, I want to hook up with this guy, he has already been verified in some capacity to be completely negative on all STDs and now bringing covid into that
1: beautiful just be safe all right dr evan goldstein at bespoke surgery thank you so much
0: all right we love you man i'll talk to you all soon. right be well have a great night yeah bye-bye guys all right we come back when we slide into those dms
1: You're listening to love line with dr chris on the new channel q and radio.com love line with dr chris
0: on channel q
1: now it is time to slide into those dms
0: sliding into the dms
1: sliding into the dms is brought to you by our friends at trojan condoms because it's a big old sexy world and we want you to explore with confidence here we go hi dr chris so i understand that everyone needs their downtime after a busy day at work to recharge however i'm starting to get bothered at the fact that my boyfriend is always playing video games from the time he gets off work at five until it's time to eat dinner at seven or eight, I play video games too. But may, <clears throat> excuse me, but I make a point to wait until the one day a week he works late, and I have the evening to myself to play. But during the week, I go to work, go to the gym, stop at the store, come home, cook dinner. So he has a few hours before I even get home to play because he's off earlier than me. But he's always in the same he's always in the same spot that he had been for three hours playing. And to top it off. Yeah, it's frustrated when I ask for help with dinner or if I ask him to put something else on while we eat jeez I brought it up to him And he gets defensive saying okay, I guess I won't play after a hard day at work It's nice to just unwind, but I guess i'll stop Like trying to make me feel bad or something. What do I do? Well, it makes sense that you're frustrated. Um, you know you give him time to play and you're what? You're at work, then at the gym, then at the store, then you come home, then you cook. I mean, my goodness, what does this guy want, right? It makes me bummed for you, uh, for both of you, that he sees his time with you as not being unwinding, right? That it's video games that help him unwind. It, honestly, <clears throat> um, I don't want to pathologize him, but I'll say this. It sounds like he doesn't want a lot of closeness or intimacy, Right. Um, He'd rather just come home, play video games, and not connect with you. So that's actually the bigger question, is why does he not want to connect with you? Is it that your relationship isn't doing well? Is it that he's not interested in the relationship anymore? Is it that he struggles with a lot of intimacy and connection? Has it always been this way? Because that's the real issue. You know, I'd want my all the couple i want all the couples i work with to see each other as part of unwinding that they can come home and they can catch up they can cuddle they can cook together maybe watch a movie talk have sex whatever it is but if unwinding has to completely exclude you i'm wondering why you're such a trigger why you're so exhausting to him so maybe do some self-reflecting is it you is it him is it the relationship but you shouldn't be perceived as exhausting but i think it's fair that you're saying hey. It's important that we bond. We're both at work all day, and this is the only time we have together. Instead of playing video games for three hours, can you play for two and a half and give me thirty minutes? I think that's pretty legit. But if he's not down for it, then here's your options: you either stay in a relationship, excuse me, you either stay in a relationship of deprivation and honor that it's going to be a low level connection and intimacy, and or you go. I say after you guys eat, you go out and hang out with your friends. See how he likes that. You know what I mean? Well, he's playing video games. Go out dancing, have a few drinks, live your life. You know what I mean? That's what I'm saying. <laughs> All right, next one. Savin' saving lives over here. Saving lives. Hey, Dr. Chris, my friend from college is getting married, and I'm a bridesmaid. I'm honored to be part of this important day in her life, but I feel uncomfortable when I have to dress up. I like wearing dresses, but I'm not super girly. I rarely wear heels, makeup, style my hair. I love to make my own choices about clothing. I like having control. I also have social anxiety and not being able to choose my own clothes is making me anxious. To so top it off, I'm very tall. I really don't want to have my mare and hiccup done. Look, here's your deal. If you're going to be in their wedding, <laughs> you got to play along. That's the whole that's the whole deal with the wedding. Here's the dress you got to wear. So either play along and don't make that don't make it that big of a deal of it, right? Like everyone there's not wearing what they normally wear. Like I don't know anyone who dresses up like that standardly or pass. And trust me, you have a right to pass. You have every right to say congrats on your big day, but it just is psychologically just triggering for me and I can't participate in it. Or you suck it up and you go. Um, You got to really kind of weigh that out. Is it such a a massive psychological issue? Uh, And if so, pass. You know what I mean? All right. Signing to DMs is brought to you by our friends at Trojan Condoms, because it's a big old sexy world. We want you to explore with confidence. All right. You're listening to Loveline on the new channel Q and Radio.com. Loveline. With Dr. Chris. On Channel Q. Now let's go to Love, singer, songwriter, and producer. How are you? Welcome to the show. Hi. Thank you for having me. Yeah. How's your uh, mental health? We like to check in on that at the start of the show.
2: Yeah. Um. You know what? I'm actually all things considered, um I'm feeling pretty good. I'm really lucky in that. I'm quarantined with a few friends of mine and my sister so we we keep each other sane.
1: That's good. Some of the people are saying they're quarantining with individuals and it's actually working against their mental health. So it sounds like you're with <laughs> people. <laughs> yeah, we haven't driven each other too crazy yet, so. <laughs> all right. Still plenty of time for that. So hang in there. Um so let's quickly talk also about self-care. What what are the forms of self-care
2: that you're engaging in these days? Um It's a few things for me. I mean, one, I think the most important um, is consistent uh, meditation. Um, And I do it even if I I like to do a lot of like spoken. So if I'm alone, I actually speak gratitude. I guide myself. um, I send love to people, which all that stuff just kind of puts me in the moment. And also, I don't know, helps me feel positivity and love and sometimes i'll even do as much as i can like a facetime meditation with a friend so um obviously we can't really see each other right now so that that's that's a big one for me
1: that's beautiful i read in one of the interviews that that's also something that you have done before some of your shows
2: yeah exactly i do it a lot before stage i used to try to get myself really hyped before stage like i would like like listen to drake and like dance around the room and, and do stuff like that but um, now I find that I I tap more so into the energy of my environment and feel more grounded if I if I meditate with my crew so.
1: That's beautiful. I've never heard someone say it like that. Speak gratitude, but I think it's a powerful thing to do and also to ground our day. Um, so let's talk about social media and the impact on our mental health. One of the things I heard you say that I thought was really beautiful is that we're in a time and place where we want more genuineness and we know that what we're following impacts how we feel about ourselves in the world. So talk to us about the impact of that and also how you maintain a genuineness for your own social media following.
2: Yeah. You know what? I'll I'll be super real. It's, um, it can be definitely a battle for me because I'm a very big overthinker. I have a lot of obsessive, you know, thinking patterns, but I just try, I think at my best, and I try to remind myself this, I use social media in a very like just natural, um, not really spending a bunch of time on it type way where it's like, oh, I, I experienced a moment. I really have something to say. I want to share it. Like I go, I share it. I don't overthink it. Just like, you know, if you're having a conversation like I am right now, I'm not pondering, okay, how do I want to say what I want to say? I just say how I really feel. And I think that's a really powerful way to, you can kind of train yourself not to like allow yourself too much time to think and then like redraft and then think and redraft and be like, maybe that's not the right photo that just drives you insane. And it, um, isolates you, or at least for me, it does, you know? So I try to, I try to kind of remind myself not to do that.
1: It's very healing. It's very healing to encounter social media. That's really honest and real. And I think it helps us kind of collectively let our guard down and just feel more confident being ourselves. So thank you for being a part of that. And also what's interesting is I, as a therapist, I'll sometimes look at people's work as a little bit of like a mental health assessment. So when I am going to interview someone, I'll look at their social media and I'll try to get like a felt sense of them. What was interesting about your IG is looking at it. It seems so infused with joy consistently. Like there's a lot of joy and positivity. Is that something you seek? And if so, like how, how do you live in that consistently?
2: yeah um i you know what ever since i became really i met somebody who really taught me this form of meditation i'm doing um i always just try to focus on seeing the positive and bringing myself towards light you know i'm not really a religious person myself but just yeah just focusing on that and so even though you know i obviously feel low all the time I have lows in every single day But I try not to unless I really feel like there's like a message that I need to share, you know, maybe a lesson that I've learned or something. I try not to focus like putting any negativity out there. And um, yeah, I mean, obviously, it's not like I'm not like like 24-7, but I definitely feel like I'm a much happier person overall than I was, say, a year ago.
1: Well, thank you for for saying that like that. I, I want people that have a larger platform to take some responsibility like you, you said you do and not put negativity out there. I think there's like enough of that and it's healing if we can kind of roll that back in a little bit. Yeah, yeah. Um, so the blue boy foundation, um, it works to help people get comfortable and also reach out for mental health help. What drew you to that? It was really beautiful to see. Cause you also at your shows, you've had my blue thoughts, which is a blog, but also a box where people can write their feelings. And then you kind of post that to share that, and normalize that. That's powerful. I've never heard of a musician caring that much and being that actively involved.
2: Yeah, you know, well, um, I started the foundation last year because I myself went through a really, really bad time. You know, I grew up around a lot of, um, you know, people in my family and just around me struggling, um, with mental health issues. And I kind of didn't understand really what it meant, you know, to be depressed or what it meant to suffer from, um, OCD or, or bipolar disorders. And, and, um, I, I, uh, at the beginning of 2019, I just personally hit my own rock bottom where, um, Shortly thereafter, I was diagnosed with clinical depression and OCD. And as I started to kind of like learn like, oh, wow, a lot of this um, is, is extremely serious and is something, you know, there's some real issues in terms of we can get ourselves or, or genetically can be in a, a chemically imbalanced place. And of course, I'm not a professional, so I don't want to, you know, act like I am. But um, I think, you know, long story short, as I started to learn more about it and as, as I myself started to get to a better place, I one really wanted to share my story and to one of the songs I made called "Sad Forever," which is on my album, I was like, "Okay, this song I wrote it at like my really at my at lowest point, and I wanted to take the proceeds from streams and sales and um, find a way to you know funnel and distribute them to various mental health related organizations so that's why I made the Blue Boy Foundation, and since then I've done that you know with a couple of other tracks, and this year I'm trying to find other initiatives you know that we can get involved in.." <sighs>
1: It was powerful. I also noticed that you list mental health resources. You were mapping out all the different comments around the world and the continents. I mean, it's really powerful to see someone that invested. Hmm. So thank you for spreading that. Um, you know, as a therapist, I'm often on the receiving end of the damage our culture does. And so it's really powerful to see people that are part of creating culture trying to help undo some of that.
2: Yeah, of course.
1: Um, so your song, modern loneliness, the most important song I've written. You said, tell us about that.
2: Yes. Um, yeah, I, I, before it even came out, I got a tattoo that says "Modern Loneliness." Um, it's just a song that I feel like for a long time. I wrote, you know, I wrote a lot of songs. I love to write about, you know, like like a lot of artists, like love and blah blah blah, heartbreak. But um this song came to me one day, and I think it says something that I felt a long time for a long time. You know, growing up, kind of growing up, feeling a little bit lonely, and and you know, growing up in an era where I became hyper obsessed with the internet, and you know, when I was a lot younger, like MySpace, and then Twitter and Instagram, and and you know. Um, getting super sucked into that and realizing I'm getting to the point where I'm so invested in that in the way I'm perceived online and, you know, the number of followers I have, a number of likes I'm getting that I kind of am losing touch with like my real world, I'll say friendships and family relationships. And I found myself so lonely at the same time as feeling sort of high from all of this, you know, instant gratification that I get. Um, and it's this weird, yeah, it's just this weird, I don't know, I want to say like paradox sort
1: of yeah so much attention but yet you can feel so disconnected okay we're going to take a little break you're listening to loveline on the new channel q and radio.com loveline with dr chris on channel q all right we're back and we got singer songwriter and producer Lyle joining us so other than the people you're living with that you're essentially right now forced to have intimacy and closeness with what are the other ways that you stay connected to people that are meaningful to you
2: um, well, luckily, I'm a person who gets up pretty early in the morning, so I try to make my mornings like I Facetime my mom or my, my, my family recently. And mind you, we weren't always this in touch. Like a lot of times, I I was not the best at keeping in touch with my family. But since this has happened, we start Facetiming multiple times a week, constant, you know, group text, sharing stuff with each other. I'll share songs. My mom will share articles. My mom actually works in uh, vaccine research, and she'll share like you know information on everything that's going on right now. Um, I started talking to people that I haven't spoken to in a long time and trying to reconnect with them. And um, I think it's much reminder because I think when you feel, at least me, when I feel like I'm in a low place, it makes me, even though what I need to do is not isolate, it makes me isolate further. So I have to consciously remind myself, don't do this. You're going to be happier if you reach out to somebody and just have a conversation.
1: Yeah. I think one of the biggest markers of mental health is the quality and consistency of our social connections. And I like the message embedded in what you just said, which is maybe use this time to renew or go deeper in some of the relationships you already have. I know I've done that. And it's been a really beautiful healing and transformative thing. Yeah, absolutely. Um, So we also just saw that you hosted a mental health panel. uh, I think that was earlier this month. Stunning. Again, bringing a lot of musicians together. How was that? It was awesome.
2: I was really nervous. (laughs) I was super nervous. Um, But I I think I genuinely think it went really well. I felt like I expressed everything that I was feeling. And I felt that from the other artists. And um, I think we got some great questions. And again, you know, I never wanted to seem like I I, I by no means am a a professional, you know, I don't I didn't study this and in any type of way. But I think, you know, all I can do and what I'd like to do is is just be extremely real about you know, what's, what's going on in my life and what I see around me and try to bring other people together to give them the opportunity to do the same thing.
1: Yeah, it's so beautiful, but you live that. And, and that's what I want to see happen is, you know you talk about your mental health just normalizes. Others talk about their mental health, but also you being able to hold your mental struggles while also working on what you love and being successful. It's a powerful message yeah. in that. Yeah. So we had some questions that came in from some fans. I'd love for you to answer those with us.
2: Yes, let's do it. Uh
1: the first one says, First off, thank you for all the work you've done for mental health. What inspired you to start the Blue Boy Foundation?
2: Yeah, so kind of like what I was saying before, it was really um when I made that song Sad Forever and I started getting out of you know, probably my lowest point in my life. I, I just wanted to, to find a way to to do more, you know, not to just release another song and then and let it pass, I guess. Yeah. You know? Beautiful. This next one asks, have any advice for someone who
1: feels like their mental health is one step forward, two steps back situation sometimes? Yeah. God. Yeah. Oh, sorry. So I didn't realize it wasn't, it wasn't done. <laughs> it's, it's a long one. They got It's a double question. They then asked, sometimes I think I make progress when dealing with depression, but then sometimes things happen and I'm back to square one.
2: Yeah. Well, first of all, that, I mean, I want to say it's good because you're making progress and I know it's, it's, it's not. It doesn't feel great when you when you go backwards. And I've experienced that so many times, you know, especially in 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 last year, I had a lot of ups and downs, like great, great, extreme highs, and then feeling extremely low as I was trying to figure out, you know, what was working for me in terms of medication and, and therapy and, and so on and so forth. But I think what really, really encouraged me and really helped me is every time I did fall back down and I felt, you know, really bad again, I just tried really hard to remember, okay, just you know, fairly recently, however recently, I was feeling so much better. So that's proof that I know it's possible. And I think the more times that I would, you know, go forward and then go backward, I'm like, Okay, well, you've gone forward multiple times. So who's to say that that's not going to continue to happen. And just try to remember that, you know, and hold on to that feeling and to that into that promise
1: yeah 100 percent. It, it's sometimes a circular journey and i know in psychology when we talk about changing and growth that it's never a back step it's like a sidestep, and you have to kind of allow and expect some of that it's never just forward progress
2: forever i like that yeah it's cool
1: uh this final question says hi i love all caps your music has being quarantined or isolated taught you anything about yourself i
2: like that that's a really good question. I think it's just confirmed that I'm not very good at being alone, but I'm working on it. I'm working on it. Um, it's also taught me not to get too deep, but you know there's this concept that every person has i guess what you call like a shadow side uh, and again, I don't know if I really know a ton about it, but I think I've started to learn you know um how to deal with maybe the parts of myself that I'm like ashamed of or, or I repress or you know, things like that, I've started to kind of like face other parts of myself. And that's really scary, but also really, I think, empowering. So. Yeah.
1: Oh, wow. you've warmed my little clinical heart. Yes. <laughs> resolving any shame we carry is such an important part of mental health. And so few yes. people are willing to do that. So I applaud you for that. Oh, I appreciate you. And thank you again for having me. Absolutely. Lauf. Thank you for being part of the show and have a beautiful, beautiful night. Yes, you too. Bye, be well. I love that. A lot of us carry shame for different reasons, different parts of ourselves, and we can't move through the world living our best or full of extreme and total confidence if there's parts of ourselves that we feel bad about, we withhold, we deny. And so right now, as Lyle said, it's a beautiful time to tap into some of those parts and say, how can I resolve this shame? How can I work through this shame? As always, therapy is available, but more importantly, mental health, talking about your feelings, all of them. There's no right feelings or wrong feelings. Mental health is about the ability to, tap in and express all of them. And again, the more we do that to those around us, we're telling them they can do that with us. And that's part of how we're going to work through this. All right, we're listening to Love Line with Dr. Chris on the new channel Q and radio.com. Love line. Love line. love line, love line, love line, love line, love line. This is love line with Dr. Chris on Channel
0: Q. All
1: right, we're back, and before we slide into DMs, we're going to do a few more answers to question of the night because you guys flooded us with some amazing answers. So here we go. The question was: What are some things that are your dating profile turnoffs? If you see them, you swipe. Uh, someone wrote sapio, uh, sexual. Stop it! Everyone likes intelligence. Um, what else are the really good ones <laughs> when people's pictures have duck lips? Yeah, I respect that one. A little too posy. Uh, again, other things that you are uh, turn offs on a da- someone's dating profile, bad spelling or grammar., um let's see dun, 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 dun. A guy with his shirt off in the main picture. yeah we're getting a whole lot of those. Um, we're the funny ones. <laughs> naked kissy face in the bathroom selfie smokers yeah i can't date a smoker sorry sorry those that are smoking here's the hiking again it's a very la thing um height requirements all right time to slide into those dms
0: sliding into the dms sliding
1: into the dms is brought to you by our friends at trojan condoms because it's a big old sexy world and we want y'all to explore with confidence. Here we go. Hey, Dr. Chris, so I need your advice. <clears throat> my boyfriend and I are very much in love. He's my best friend, and I fully believe he's my partner for life. All of our friends comment on how sickening we are, and they are right. I bet you they have a joint uh, IG page <laughs> with their own emojis. We are very affectionate. Sweet texts throughout the day. Amazing, all in caps, sex life. Cute notes left on each other's cars. Okay, we got it. <laughs> however, here comes the however. If we are 95% the picture perfect couple, the 5% <clears throat> is when once a month or every couple months we get into it. Okay, let me stop right there. Yeah, that's normal. Let's just call that right out. That's normal. If every month or let's say every couple months you get into it, yeah. That's real. That's life. And I mean like ding, ding, ding. The fight is on like cats and dogs. All bets are off. Low blows and calling names over something as stupid as dishes. Wow. Comes out of nowhere. Maybe after a stressful work week and as passionate as our love is, I feel like we both are just as passionate when we get in those stupid blows. Here's an example of the exact, let me, this is a heads up to everyone. The exact same thing that you love about someone is going to be the exact same thing you hate about them because it's the same quality. That's going to exist in things you don't like, right? I love how outgoing and expressive and passionate you are when it's positive, but then when they fight, they're going to be equally as expressive, outgoing, passionate in their fighting. It's the same quality. It's just applied differently in different contexts. And so that's, that's what you get. You got to take the uh, dark with the good, the, you know, the, the bottom with the top. Um it's never physical good because if it was physical that'd be unacceptable and you should talk about possibly exiting or something else, because that's never okay. You usually you said we usually apologize, kiss and make up within twenty-four hours. Awesome. You're doing far better than most couples, even the ones that are the reverse, 95% bad. But we're getting older and I want to find other alternatives than one of us storming out of the house and yelling that we hate each other's mother or something. It's really so stupid. I don't want our relationship to crumble because of this. Um <clears throat> okay, a couple things. It sounds kind of like you're expecting 100%. I know you're saying you just want to fight better, but I'm also covertly hearing you want 100% perfection. No, 95% great, 5% conflictual, it doesn't get any better than that. So I kind of want to be like, case closed, you know? Like, that's amazing. I worry about couples that have no conflict because I'm wondering who's stuffing their feelings. Um, No one is perfectly synchronized like that, who's selling themselves out. But Just fight better, but start with yourself. You're saying, I wish we could do better. If you do better, you both do better because it's systemic. He's responding to you as well. And so if you're always smooth sailing and calmer, it's going to be a lot harder for him to start talking smack on your mom. So just be the first one to change the system. I always say there's always got to be one adult in the room at all times and everyone's acting like a kid. So... You start the, start the change you want to see. You'll be solid, I promise you. But accept that 5%, man. You're doing great. All right, slide into our DMs. It's brought to you by our friends at Trojan Condoms because it's a big old sexy world and we want you to explore with confidence. That is our show. You guys have a ha- Ugh, excuse me, awesome night. Thanks for hanging out. Loveline with Dr. Chris on Channel Q.